remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey everybody, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. This is show number 171. Wow! It's so amazing how when you are just following guidance, Things happen, and I can guarantee you that uh, three and a half years ago when Leslie and I started this show, we had no idea that we would still be doing it three and a half years later. And we're so glad that you joined us today. My name is Tracy, and every week we have a theme to try to keep ourselves on track or at least to get us started And this week our theme is time, time. We never seem to have enough or we have too much and we waste it. Time, what does that mean? How do we use it? But, you know, in reality there is no time and space in the infinite, is there? Infinite intelligence, infinite wisdom, always present, all-powerful, all-knowing, And it is all of that in every second, in every moment. So there is no past, there is no future, there is no late, there is no early, there is no time and space in the infinite. So what's the deal with human experience and human perception of time? We'll be talking about some of that and... uh, as if you've listened to us before, you know that we always are asking the question, what does saying yes to spirit have to do with whatever our theme is? So in acknowledging time, in using time, in benefiting from time, what does saying yes to spirit have to do that with that? So that's some of what we'll um, be going into today. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And our theme this week is time. 
But before we go any more into our theme, we always like to connect the dots. And I hope that Leslie is noticing that I said (laughs) we always like to connect the dots. But those of you who listen regularly know that it's really Leslie who insists that we connect the dots. And so last week... Our theme was um, commitment. This week our theme is time. You know, um, I was just excited to hear you say earlier that um, there's no such thing as being late. For those people who know me, being late at time. But I think about that when I think about commitment in time. You know, there is the human factor of, you know, I will be there at 1030 and then that implies a commitment. I can see there's a lot of, um, seems to be a lot of preconceived ideas of time being a commitment. If I'm going to spend time with you, then I'm committing to that. I'm committing to this coffee time, to being able to have this dinner time, to sitting down and doing homework time. There's just That just seems to be a very easy connect the dots. I'm pleased about that because it was, it was. Uh, it's been a, a minute since I've had an easy one. <laughs> cool. Well, that's a great connect the dots, and um, and we'll take a quick one minute break, and then we'll come back, and we will spend the rest of the time today on today's show talking <laughs> about time. talking about time, the rest right. of the time talking yes. about time. Perfect. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We are on the theme of time on Say Yes to Spirit, and we're so glad that you are here. So, Leslie, when we say time, what comes to mind for you first? (laughs) That I'm always in trouble for being late. That's what really comes to mind. That I'm never well, yeah, there's time. no time and space in spirit, but there definitely is <laughs> oh, time oh, oh, space oh, see? in the See, I must get that very confused experience. then. <laughs> I've noticed that time means so much to some people. <laughs> Five minutes is a long time. If I'm late, I, I'm very um, aware that I am not as on time. So when I think of time, I get kind of... Like I'm going to get in trouble, <laughs> so I don't. To, you know, it is a four-letter word, Tracy. At the end of the day, it's kind of like work. Oh wow! <laughs> it's 
Well, you know, there is that conversation that I've been in a number of times about the distinction between being on time and being in time, like Ah, arriving on time or arriving in time. Right. And there is a... There is a there has been cultural anthropological research that has proven <laughs> over and over again that you know different cultures especially based on geography and climate really do tend to have different patterns around time so climates See? that are tropical and where um Food, edible plants and, you know, food can be grown year-round, tend to have a less gripping, less controlling interaction with See, so I'm just a tropical person. That's what it is. I need to live there. Where's there? So so we will ignore your um, actual ethnic (laughs) roots that come from cultures that are in cold uh, regions with distinct seasons where food must be grown in a certain part of the year and then stored up, those cultures uh, tend to have a much more strict or controlling approach to time. Because think about it. If you were responsible for feeding your family right. and you did not plant when you could plant and harvest at the right time and store it all up, then you'd go through six months of winter with no food. I get that. So, yes, I do get that. And, you know, I actually, I really, I feel badly when I'm not on time. Oh, well, yeah. There is that. Because I can't, you know, it must be sort of one of those, I don't know, self-sabotage things or something, because it just doesn't seem, regardless of how early I get up or what, you know, I can start early, early, and I still just kind of muddle through until I'm going to be late. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm sure there are some instances where it just happens, and I'm sure there are some instances where that's passive-aggressive behavior, like, I really don't want to go to this. I really don't want to be there. Oh, yeah, there you go. I think that's I always thought, somebody told me once it was about wanting attention, so that when I walk in late, everybody has to look at me. Now, there you go. That might be it. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that's sometimes true for you as well. (laughs) (laughs) That was a funny one when they told me that. I really, it's just, it's been a chronic throughout the history of my life. And it doesn't matter if it's meeting a friend or going to work or, you know, something I'm really excited about, spending the day, you know, at a park or something or going to a movie, I'll get to movies late. Okay, enough oh. about me. So, But, yes, I don't really believe that there's time. I guess that's ultimately I don't – I think time is very um, – it's a conceived idea and therefore on some level. And I have experienced time warps where, you know, this ride should take 30 minutes and I got there in 10 minutes or – and so I, I guess there's I have a very loose – cognitive relationship with time. I don't really perceive it as that real. Well, you know what's really interesting as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, huh, you know, like what about me? How, you know, does my experience compare with that? And and I 
I guess I I live between those two places of being on time and being in time. So I don't feel, most of the time, I don't feel time pressure and I don't feel like, um, you know, like I have to, to control it or manage it very tightly, that time has a much more of a flow feeling for me. Oh. Things flow into one another. (laughs) But at the same time, I realize, you know, I go go through cycles where sometimes I wear a watch and sometimes I don't, and usually those cycles are around three years, you know, like I'll go two to three years and I won't wear a watch and I'll then put on a watch and start wearing a watch again. And um, I'm right now I'm in a cycle that's been about two and a half years of I don't wear a watch. And in this day yeah, and age, I never wear a watch. I never wear a watch. Uh, in this day and age, it's not that unusual because people use their cell phone to find, you know, to look at the time. But this has right. been a cycle through my entire adult life. And um, and I don't wear a watch, but I have a really good inner sense of time. So if I say, okay, I'm going to lay down for 30 minutes, you know, in the middle of the day, generally around either 28 minutes to 32 minutes, I <laughs> roll over and look at the clock, and it's like, okay, it's been 30 minutes. Or, 28 minutes. That's you know, I have crazy. an appointment. And I know what time I need to be there, and I'm going to stop and run a couple of errands. It's like I don't look at, I don't have a watch on. I don't look at my phone um, because I forget that I can look at my phone to see what time it is. And it's, you know, I have that inner body clock. I don't use an alarm clock. And in the morning, you know, I might use an alarm clock two or three times in the course of a year. If it's something that I'm, it's really, really critical, like a client meeting or appointment, and I have to get up at a really unusual time, you know, or I didn't get enough sleep. I know I'm not going to get enough sleep, and I don't trust my body to wake up. But two or three times in the course of a year, other than that, I, you know, tell myself what time I need to get up or what time I need to be at a certain place, and it works. That's impressive. I don't have any of that. I can sleep, <laughs> but, I can but, sleep all day. At the same time, up. I'm totally with you about there are a lot of things that in other people's perception, you know, they may see me as late because I know I, I interact with a lot of people who were raised with this concept of if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Who are they? Oh, I don't know. Thank goodness I don't have. <laughs> you, know, you know people no, like that. No, you know no, people I, I know, no, but I you may not know that that's kind of like that's how they were raised or that's how their wow. father was or that's how, you know, what they were taught when they first started going to work. And, you know, if you're supposed to be starting work at 8 a.m., then you, that means you're in your chair, you know, at your desk, ready to go. And so you've logged in, you've put your lunch away, you've gotten your coffee, you know, and that means you have to be there 15 minutes before your start time. Um, and, you know, or you go to anything and you're, you've are you got to be there early 
that's what's considered on time. And it's like, no, I don't have that at all. And I don't have, it doesn't trigger me when people come in, you know, five minutes after the start time or to some degree, depending on what it is, you know, 15 minutes after the start time. Because I do have, I do operate more in the concept of when you show up is the right time. When I show up is the right time. So everybody is in. But it is a social kind of construct around respect. And I, I know people interpret that I don't have respect for whatever I'm doing with them if I'm not on time. And it, and it, I just it's such a, a a crooked little thing in my head that I'm always five or ten minutes late. I just I, I, I and it and I, I I can't consciously certainly it's not anything about respect. I, I can be very excited about something. <laughs> I'm just that little five to ten minute window past. Yeah, I think that. Can we I talk mean, about something else very... besides time? <laughs> I'm getting very nervous talking about time. <laughs> well, that means we should definitely talk about it more. Maybe we need to do three shows in a row about time. Have you ever experienced a time warp where time really doesn't exist, or you know, in a in a linear, 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 where time kind of collapses on itself and it's not what it normally is? Yes, dozens of times. And what, how do you perceive that occurring? Why does it occur sometimes and not all the time? Or can you trigger it to occur? Or, can, or does it just occur on its own? Um, I think some, I've, I've had both experiences. So I feel very blessed because I've been able to notice and follow my guidance spiritual guidance throughout most of my life. And so I, you know, this gets us into our conversation that you and I have, you know, several times a year about work and our perception about work. Well, you know, for more than 20 years, I have been able to do work that is in total alignment with who I am, who I want to be, what I want to do in the world, and the difference I want to make. And so there are many times where I will be working on a project or researching some information, and I actually am operating outside of the quote-unquote bounds of time, the human, human perception of time. And that can show up where I am thinking I've been working, you know, two, two and a half hours and look up and it's six and a half hours. And, you know, I didn't get up to go to the bathroom. I didn't get anything to eat. I just kept working. Uh, So that's happened. And it's also happened on a, um, that happens all the time throughout the year. Uh, It's happened when I've been in prayer where I've been doing a prayer treatment for someone or myself, and um, I don't realize, I, I just have no connection to time. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I prayed for 15 minutes instead of three. It just means that I just had no sense of time and space. It was like I was out out of my body. 
if that makes any sense. Yes. And, you know, I think I can tell when I'm having different experiences in meditation by how I experience time during the meditation. I know when I do a group meditation or when I, um, for a period of time, used to go to a church and do a meditation early in the morning at the church, I would experience that 30 minutes as 5 or 10. When I try to do meditation at home, it's like 30 minutes can seem like five days. And so it's like I'm really aware of my how meditative I become, you know, what 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 level of meditation I get to based on how I experience time in that thirty minute window. Yeah, and I I think that a lot of times when when we are in in our into our spiritual practice and it's also like when people are running and they get in quote unquote the zone um right. that that the our perception of time as being restrictive just moves away because we are more in tune with the spiritual essence of who we are. Oh, so I, like I think that that, that like has um and I don't I know for sure I've never really thought about it that way, but that's what strikes me because I, I agree with you and and the more we are in that energy, the more easily we slip away from the 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 limitations and the human perception of limitation and time and deadlines and all of that and we slip into you know, kind of we cross the veil into the timeless as we cross the veil into the formless. You know, that's interesting because if you think of that in terms of, um, you know, spending uh, time doing what I am passionate about or spending time with people that I feel passionate about, that that time does have a very different. So if I'm in, you know, I can almost gauge is this a, you know, a spiritually in the flow thing that I'm doing or not based on how I'm experiencing time within that. That's really, I think that's really true. Yeah, so you're rushing and rushing and rushing and rushing because you've got to fit in taking care of three different pets in, in you know, three hours and in three different locations. But in those moments where you are actually walking that dog or petting that cat and feeding it, you have no concept of time. And I'm guessing, at least I'm guessing that that's true for you. Because, I really like that. Because I know how much you align with the <laughs> energy of these furry creatures. <laughs> there you go, these four little legged. But that is really interesting, and, you know, you can think of, certainly we can think of people that we've met or people that we know where time just flies by, you know, and other people that we know that it's just, you just look at them and go, oh, this is going to be just painful, and that's so interesting. Oh, yeah, you just triggered a very, very clear picture for me of, um, yeah, of a couple of people I know who no matter when I talk to them, no matter whether it's in person or by phone, they 
are complaining, they are miserable, and they would say time moves very slowly and nothing ever changes and their life is boring and they have no satisfaction. And that's how they perceive the world. And they would say they have too much time because they don't know what to fill their time with. And on the other hand, you know, there's someone like me who is always doing so many things that I don't usually feel that I don't have enough time, that I don't actually usually feel that. You know, I'm not one to say I don't have enough time. I just know that I'm very conscious and aware of the time I have and, oh, okay, but I want to do this and this and this, and I'm going to do these five things. And so I am time shifting or manipulating time or using the time I have and, like, you know, cramming as much life as I can into that time. And that is really different from, you know, those folks that came to mind as you were talking that I know I mean, I'm, and I'm especially picturing one person who I know they would say, you know, never enough there's time. nothing to do with the time they have. No. Oh. But they have, there's nothing I can do. There's all this time and nothing I like to do or no, no way I can make a difference. And, so they, and they hate their life. I mean, in shorthand, they, they hate <laughs> their life. So how we use the time we have. And how we perceive time tells us something about ourselves and tells us about how we're spending that time. Are we spending that time doing something kind of that we're dreading, that's not a spiritual flow spending, or are we spending it doing things that just seem to have time fly, and that would be much more in line with spirit. I love this. Our language around time. Do we waste time? Do we spend time? Uh, Do we monitor time? Do we control time? Do we use time? How do we use it? How do we spend it? How do we waste it? How do we manage it? Mm -hmm. We we say, are you managing your time? Mm. Do we take time management courses and workshops? (laughs) I've taught too many of those. I can remember at a hospital I worked, they had us do time logs. And we would literally, every 30 minutes, had to write down what we were doing. And they were trying to create, well, trying to understand, you know, where we weren't being efficient or how we could use our time differently. And I'll never forget feeling like that that was my personal information. Like, you don't get to know how I use my time. Isn't that Are you serious? Ah, yeah, I was like... That's, yeah, I'm I'm paying that you. I'm not I'm your, paying you a check. That's I not get your that's not your that's not I felt very uh, you know, and if somebody if I'm on the phone with a friend and somebody will say, Where are you? Like really you know it's not your business. Isn't that funny? It's like whatever I'm doing with my time, I'm doing my time. I can tell you if I want to, but I, that's so funny. I never thought of that. I don't I'm have very the right protective. to ask you. Well, you, I mean, I'll you can, but I have this reaction always <laughs> like, oh, you get to know unless I want to tell you. 
Isn't that funny? But it's like what I'm doing with my time. I, 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 um, I'm. Is that, is that, am I hoarding it? What am I doing? You are. You are. You are a peculiar little peculiar. You're just now noticing that. Yeah. No, as I was just getting ready to add, as if I didn't already know that. But it does seem like time is a. Time is we we've made it into this thing into this. And I really like what you said at the beginning of the show that you know the idea is that it's endless and formless and flowing and and I can um, absolutely say that the, the the mornings I start meditating, mm-hmm. I spend thirty minutes in the morning meditating. If I spend three minutes in the morning meditating, if I sit in my chair that I have deemed my meditation chair, if I just sit there, even for three minutes. The entire timeliness of my day changes. The, the concept, the construct, everything about time changes. I get in that flow, then time loses its, you know, sort of whatever that grip is that sometimes it has on me. When I'm not in the flow, it's when I'm feeling very protective of my time and defensive if I'm late and you know, having all these sort of emotional human reactions to time when I'm not in that flow. When I'm in that flow, it's funny, when I'm in that flow and I'm late, there's something about my energy when I come in, there doesn't seem to be as much of a rub, even if the person is possibly, you know, not pleased about it. If I'm in the flow coming in, it shifts that initial oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, and it just becomes a nothing kind of thing. If I'm kind of bumping and rubbing up against my own human ego, and I come in and I say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, then it almost becomes a rub, and then they're like, well, you know, you were late last time too. Well, yes, point out the obvious. I'll be late the next time too. Yeah, yeah let's just plan ahead. <laughs> Not out of spite, just that is who I am, so, like, get over it, right? Yeah, so it is an interesting thing, if I, how my day flows based on how my morning meditation or morning spiritual practice makes a huge difference for me. So it makes sense to me, and it maybe is a little obvious that as we are spiritual beings having a human experience, that part of the human experience is that it is a transitory and a temporary time-limited experience, that we're in a physical body that is going to deteriorate in some way. Mm. Right, over time. Oh, over time. (laughs) And so there there is that reality that, our experience in the human body has a limited, mm-hmm. has a limit. There is an expiration date for the body, and and you know it's different for every for every person. But so this idea that in the spiritual realm realm there is no time and there is no space and there is no form is true. And it also is easy to see why in our human experience and in our human form we have this relationship with limits and time frames and things we want to do, mm-hmm. or things we 
feel we've come here to do. So one of the um, one of the there's a paragraph in the Science of Mind where Ernest Holmes talks about the form within the formless, and it is in the chapter where he is talking about um, he's talked about the spiritual and he's talked about he's talking about the body or the effect mm-hmm. of of things, and so he says that. Form is not an illusion, even when it is the form of disease. And then he moves to the formless, takes form in what we call time. Time is a sequence of events within a unitary wholeness. If the timeless did not manifest in what we call time, it would never come to self-fruition. Therefore, we have form and time and what we call space, uh, which is never a thing of itself but the possibility of outline. So this idea that the timeless, the formless God could not manifest and experience itself if it didn't manifest into something tangible, the construct of time and space. Well, body, time, space, all the things that we experience um, that shape our our, um, our actions in the physical, you know, we wouldn't know they existed unless we had this measure. We have this measure or this form. Right. And so by design, it has to have some... It has to have form, construct. and it has to have yes, some kind of construct. The structure, the process, that is what defines it as the human experience. The spiritual being being able to have a human experience. Otherwise, it would be a, it would be spirit ising, being ising, in with no form, no in no time, in no space. Which is our eternalness, eternality. I actually said that word. I can't believe it. Is it a real word? Yeah, it is. But it's it's our eternality, that eternal experience of who we are. But in this, you know, time frame that we are going through the human part of that eternal experience, we have to have time and space and form. Otherwise, there would be nothing. Well, yes. We don't have have to have it as much, I think. Well, we get to choose how we will interact with it. Right. And, yes, it does. It is the walk-through-walls conversation. Moment, yes. Um, But people who have not listened before don't know what that (laughs) is. Well, the concept that I have, that we are here to return to that spiritual ising, even within the physical form, that we would be able to get to an, a, a, a spiritual pace of being even within our bodies that we could, you know, walk through a wall, that we didn't have to be limited to the human experience. And, you know, I mean, the human body. And there are many people that, um, what is it called, astral flight, that fly, that leave their bodies and fly. You've heard Don't look at me like, I know you've heard of that. There's people at the metaphysical church that do that. 
You just don't want to act like and you, then whenever, you want to act like you know that. And then whenever <laughs> Leslie has like her, sane one. <laughs> and then whenever, whenever Leslie has her, but we should be able to walk through walls moment. I am the one who always says, "Well, no, we would be in our spiritual form less." Did Jesus not walk through walls? That. I think Jesus walked through walls. No, yeah, I think not in some, physical form. <laughs> I think now when we are operating as a human being, Mm. operating from our spiritual place, we metaphorically walk through every wall and climb every mountain and walk through every barrier because we are grounded in our spirituality that is clear that nothing is impossible, and that just means we we evidenced a solution. Mm. You know, you remember the, you took the Bible in New Thought. Mm -hmm. You don't read these stories literally. You look for what is the meaning of the story. Right, right, right. So, yes. Oh, you're saying when when Jesus, when it said, talked about Jesus walking through walls, that it wasn't a physical wall. Walk. Okay, now you know you're going to have to go to the Bible and, (laughs) and bring me Jesus walk through a wall. But he, I thought he did. <laughs> I really thought he did. Oh well, somebody did. Somebody. Are you just thinking about some, the some, some the story after some spiritual after um, after the crucifixion, and then when they removed the, the rock was the stone from the tomb, mm-hmm. there was no physical, physical form there. Again, <laughs> he is not here. <laughs> We say that when people die now. He is not here. He is not here in this body. In this body. The spirit has transcended this body and transitioned into, returned to the eternality. See, I've now used it three times. I, I can love I love, that. I'm, yeah. So, you yes. know, it is a concept, though, that I think it's very time and our body and our human construct, I can use that word twice, um, seem sometimes to be counterintuitive to the spiritual experience. And it's almost like a two-year-old or a, you know, something that the, the, the physical experience becomes something that um, is the opportunity to uh, not get lost in or, you know, learn how to bring it into the spirit instead of it's like the human uh that's it training's not the right word or uh, you know teaching it learning you know uh, encouraging but not not by any means kind of buying into that this human experience is the thing but understanding that it's the thing to learn through or from. Ah, I'm not saying that right. It becomes the playground of which we get to really experience authentically who we are. It's not the thing. The human experience yes. is not the thing. It, the thing is what the human experience is, can help us return to. I mean, it's like it's the opposite of the thing. I don't know that I totally agree with that, though, because I think the human experience is 
it is the process. I mean, we it's not so much that the goal is to return to the formless. Uh-huh. Because the formless is you're gonna to return to that, whether that's your we goal already or are. Not. Yeah. So I don't know that that's the goal to return there. I do think the human experience is what it is, and our opportunity is to bring yes to bring and I think this is part of what you the point you were making to bring what is the eternal experience, the essence of the spiritual knowing to bring that to our human experience to do what we do in the show, to say yes to spirit, experiencing life mm-hmm. in human form. Right. And at that, I guess when I, you said go, that's right, when everybody goes back to spirit. That's my belief anyway. But to me, the whole idea of the human experience is, is the ground to be able to uh, reconnect with that spiritual experience. You know, every experience that I have, always kind of look at it like molten lava, that, you know, my life is, my human experience is going down this mountain, it's molten lava, and the rocks and the things that get in my way, perception, you know, that I would say are in my way or that I have to go around or that seem to block my way, they're actually always moving me towards that next good, to the highest good. And so it's just that journey of kind of there's nowhere to go but the best place. What are you thinking? That image just really did pleased with that. I, well, I, you're not going to be pleased with what I have to say about it. Ah, oh, that that image that was a great visual image for me. And what it triggered was how often do I we the generic we, but how often do I think that? Life, the human experience, is the rocks and the jagged edges. Oh, that that I live in a universe that really is unfriendly, and my job is to bring spiritual love, joy, peace to that, and like Mm. level the rocks out. And I think a lot of the times we, a lot of the time we go through Mm. life thinking. Life's got to be hard, and we're here to learn all these hard lessons, and the the jagged edges are there to challenge us to see if we're going to bring forth love. And as I was picturing that, the molten lava rolling down the, the mountain and being distracted or having to reform around right. these boulders, I thought, no, you know, I actually don't believe that life is that that's what life is, and the spiritual is the smoothing out of it. It's like I think all of it is the experience of life, the highs and the lows, the joys and the pains, but I don't always act like that. I mean, that's what just hit me, that I don't always act like I really believe that it's all designed for our good. Well, and that it is all good. It's mm-hmm. just, it is all good. I intellectually believe that. I teach that, I say it, and there are times I live it. But, yeah, I don't always operate from that perspective. And so I'm beginning, there's a part of my brain being distracted by what would it be like if I actually really lived that, which is, you know, what we do with our spiritual practice all the time. 
you know, there are times when my mind, when I wrap my mind around like the idea that what would it be like if I really, you know, believed it and lived it and moment to moment. Yes. In my mind, in my body, in my soul connected to that. Also the idea, I think I talked about this recently, about the conversation with God died, Neil Don Walsh saying one of the big things that he got out of that conversation that he had with God was that there is no need. And the idea that there is no need. And when I wrap my mind around that and think about really living there, at the end, at the end of wrapping my mind around that, there's a part of me that goes, "Well, what, what, what would I be doing?" You know, and I and I and I lived this life understanding that absolutely, without a doubt, every experience is good, and you know that that this the divine is is absolutely activated regardless if it's a boulder or a twig or a clear path. And I think, you know, at the moment that I think those things, I think I do get on kind of, you know, the green light day. or You know, I do shift into that flow. But it's so funny. There's that human whatever that is that's almost scared of that flow. Oh, it can't be that good. Oh, it can't be that easy. Or it can't, you know, if I'm not worrying, I'm not really caring about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's an yeah, interesting Yeah, I, I love that, the quote that compares worrying to being sitting in a rocking chair, you know, there's lots of movement, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, my grandmother had a worry rocking chair. Well, she yeah, she sit that. in that rocking chair, and she would worry. And if you asked her, my dad will tell you the story, if you asked her, what are you doing, Mom? She would say, I'm worrying about Phil, like one of the brothers or something. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I'm doing something. Don't mess with me right now. I am worried about Phil. Like, like that was something. I love that. So this morning, um, I posted on Facebook a, an incomplete sentence, and I asked people to complete it. Whenever I feel I don't have enough time, I know it's time to, mm. and then Take I ask them to fill in the blank. And I expected a lot of people to say, you know, take a nap or, or go. Because, you know, that's like, okay, I just can't worry about it right now. I'm going to go, you know. Or I would expect Leslie to say I sit on the couch and eat pie, right? Because, right? So, the overwhelm, the overwhelm. Right. But I have some amazing Facebook friends. Do you? Am I on there? No. You were not seeing Facebook this morning. So um, at this point, I probably have about 20 different responses. But let's share a a few of them. So Cece Coltrane said whenever she feels she doesn't have enough time, she knows it's time to breathe Uh and breathe again. Oh, nice. And Jody Roberts says it's time to take a break, meditate, and reground myself. Then go back to the to-do list. Lahoma says, I breathe, focus on spirit's ability to multitask in the universe and stand in the knowing that spirit is doing the same in my life. And then I ask my angels and fairies for help. Fairies, she knows about astroflight. Go ahead. (laughs) And Gloria says that she meditates and journals to appreciate what I have accomplished. Anita says that when she feels she doesn't have enough time, she knows it's time to stop and get off the bus. And for her, that means it's time to spend time rejuvenating and everything else can wait. 
Um, and Jill says, <laughs> I love this. Whenever I feel I don't have enough time, I know it's time to stop saying I don't have enough time uh-huh. and realize that I choose my life, make different choices. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah I was like, oh, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> You know, they're all so good. And so about that point, that's about half the list um, so far. And I'm realizing, you know, part of why I am able to say yes to spirit so as much as I do, which is the majority of the time now in my life, is because I have surrounded myself in all most all parts of my life with people, other people, who are saying yes to spirit, who are living from their spiritual grounding. I mean, I can imagine other people I know who could post that same uh, incomplete sentence on their Facebook page, and their friends would respond just as fast, but they wouldn't be these responses of breathing, of prayer, of going within. And it's, so I I just was hit with this. It is intentional. I mean, you know, it's intentional who we choose to have in our lives. You know, it can be. You don't think they're really eating pie and they're just saying that because it's Facebook and it makes them look good? <laughs> no, I am sure they are really different. You're very funny. <laughs> no, and, you, and, it, and it is a conscious choice. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago in terms of how we spend our time. Yes. Who we spend our time with, what we spend our time with that person doing. Yes. And, you know, how I allow, what time I allow my mind to, you know, wander into the negative. I, and those of you who listen all the time know that I work at the Dallas County Women's Jail and a program pod for women who are trauma survivors or have an addiction. And, you know, there's nothing but time in jail. And uh, it is really fascinating to watch how when you when you don't have anything that you have to do mm-hmm. in your time and ultimately your time is not your choice. I mean, at any given second, the guard can say, Rack off, which means go to your bunk. The guard can tell you you can't do that with your time. You have to do this with your time. So there's this incredible um, powerlessness that's just the river. It's always there. Even if you are sitting and reading and you have the illusion that you're sitting and reading and you can just sit and read, on the back of your mind somehow you always know that my time is not my time. It's the guard's time. Whatever they choose to tell me, I'm going to have to do. And so it's fascinating to watch how people get into a state of acceptance with that. And there is, I mean, and I think this is why, there's people about jailhouse conversions. But I think there has to be some sort of spiritual shift where you'll go crazy. You have to have some sense of there's something bigger than me. There's something more powerful that I can take refuge in that's, you know, more powerful than the guard. And and then it shifts how they spend their time. They they start hanging out, like you're saying, with more positive people. They'll start gravitating to other women who are 
reading their Bible or other women who are, you know, working their 12-step program. As their inner energy shifts, they'll be drawn to different people and they'll be drawn to doing different things with their time. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think we can ever emphasize enough that we get, we actually do get to choose. Yes, and I know you bring up often the importance of um, prayer partners or mm-hmm. having right. having com- the sangha group or having conversations like we have in the show. I mean, you bring it up all the time, like to really look at who you have in your life and how often are you having conversations bringing it back to a spiritual uh, context and who do you do that with. And so I was really struck by, you know, I I was really struck by the responses themselves and how consistently people were going to their spiritual connection. Now, I have almost a 1,000 Facebook friends. Wow. Tracy Brown, that's impressive. Well, no, it's because of the, well, it's interesting. I'm so (laughs) very impressive. Um, But I, you know, so if I get a response from, you know, 30 or 40 people, you know, there are hundreds of people who didn't see it or didn't respond. So, yeah, there are people I know who are my Facebook friends who I know well enough that they might finish that sentence very differently. Like if when I know I don't have enough time, you know, or when I believe or I'm feeling I don't have enough time, I know it's time to. And they might say some other things that, you know, would not necessarily be spiritual. Um, And I do think, but I do think the majority of people, you know, and then there's already a pattern set now. So, you know, if Another you people see it read. and then you read it and you, you know, can be influenced by that. You don't want to be the schmuck now that says I eat pie. <laughs> Although some people would do it and would do it, like, for humor or for, yeah, this is all well and good. But in reality, you know, and a lot of times the people who do that, I actually know them well enough to know that, oh, they're just saying this for kind of comic relief because I know them and I know what they really do. Um, But the choice is a huge thing. And the more we remind ourselves that we have a choice. And so in in an interesting way, writing on a Facebook wall or, you know, um, having a conversation, allowing the ponderings of life to, you know, go deeper and further in in our common conversations, you know, that that just reinforces. And I... um was having a conversation with um, one of our mutual friends, Susan, a couple of weeks ago, and and one of the things that she said that she is finding is that Facebook is actually a really good place um, to enrich the the limited amount of time that she has available for a spiritual practice because it actually <laughs> allows, you know, now there are so many um, pages and so many people who post inspirational uh, messages and, you know, or images right. or quotations mm-hmm. and that, you know, and you can actually 
if you know the people who are your friends will support it, you can actually ask for support or you can express right. frustration and know that they're going to come back with encouraging, inspiring, right. you know, posts. It's like group therapy international. In public, really. right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's total exposure to group therapy. And so it's, it is very interesting that we can use that as a tool. It doesn't just have to be, you know, oh, I, you know, post somebody posting, oh, I just spent the last 30 minutes cutting my toenails. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be that. We actually can shape it. Um, our time is running, running down. I want to... Um, share a couple more of these. We have about three minutes left in the show. One of the ones that really jumped out at me was um, Sam Sushala's When Things Don't Add Up, I Subtract. Tasks can be like material things sometimes. You don't have to do it all. You just want to. I like that. When I feel I'm running out of time. And um, Kevin... It has a reminder that that's when it's time to breathe and know if I don't get it done, it really doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things. So, I like that. If it doesn't add up, subtract. That's tricky. Isn't that good, though? I love it. That is good. I love it. I did a tricky little thing, and the jail came out the other day talking about, you know, we always say, well, I, I had, I'm having a good day, or I let that go. And we make these sort of comments about progress that we're making in different areas, but we never kind of stop and think, how did I make that progress? Mm-hmm. So I'm getting people to start kind of making a list. Oh, you know, I said a prayer in the morning, or I talked to a safe person, or I wrote in my journal. So they make their list of how they had a good day or why, how they were able to let go and let God. And then I say... Now that's your rinse and repeat. So now you know what to do next time. Exactly. Isn't that cute? I think that's cute. I think I made that up. Have you ever heard that? I yes. think that's... Oh, you have not. Yes. Wait a minute. You've never heard not of Astro Flight, but you've heard of that. Oh. I not say i never heard of Astro Flight. <laughs> you just... Your silence implies. <laughs> You're the, yeah, in the marketing world, rinse and repeat. You're all kidding. Time. No, I'm not. Oh. But it is very... Cute, especially I've if you've never heard of it before. I've never heard it. There's only one That's mind. Really so much more special. There's only one mind. God. That mind knows everything. <laughs> that mind's perfect. That <laughs> mind is your mind. mind. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. And see? For your support. We're out of time. <laughs> so that's really about all the time we have to talk about time because we're in the human construct and our radio show is about over our time is up time that's a terrible thing (laughs) (laughs) so um notice what uh if you're experiencing time quickly or slowly is my last indication of being in spirit or not i really love that i'm going to take that away great so our next time we come together, the theme will be fear. Oh, and another four-letter word. Another four-letter word, and uh, we'll be talking about fear, so we hope that you'll join us. And in the meantime, if you are needing a pick-me-up or a spiritual inspiration of some kind or just a little comic relief, yeah. look through the archives. We have 172 shows. Wow that you can listen to, and on all kinds of themes, and we encourage you to do that. But until we meet again, say yes to spirit.
It's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.